chapter twenty of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain the attack mr walters lost no time in sending messengers to the various parties threatened by the mob warning them either to leave their houses or to make every exertion for a vigorous defence few however adopted the latter extremity the majority fled from their homes leaving what effects they could not carry away at the mercy of the mob and sought an asylum in the houses of such kindly disposed whites as would give them shelter although the authorities of the district had received the most positive information of the nefarious schemes of the rioters they had not made the slightest efforts to protect the poor creatures threatened in their persons and property but let the tide of lawlessness flow on unchecked throughout the day parties of colored people might have been seen hurrying to the upper part of the city women with terror written on their faces some with babes in their arms and children at their side hastening to some temporary place of refuge in company with men who were bending beneath the weight of household goods mr walters had converted his house into a temporary fortress the shutters of the upper windows had been loopholed double bars had been placed across the doors and windows on the ground floor carpets had been taken up superfluous furniture removed and an air of thorough preparation imparted a few of mr walters's male friends had volunteered their aid in defence of his house and their services had been accepted mr ellis whose house was quite indefensible it being situated in a neighbourhood swarming with the class of which the mob was composed had decided on bringing his family to the house of mr walters and sharing with him the fortunes of the night his wife and daughters having declared they would feel as safe there as elsewhere and accordingly about five in the afternoon mrs ellis came up accompanied by kinch and the girls caddy and kinch who brought up the rear seemed very solicitous respecting the safety of a package that the latter bore in his arms what have you there asked mr walters with a smile it must be powder or some other explosive matter you take such wonderful pains for its preservation come caddy tell us what it is is it powder no mr walters it isn't powder she replied it's nothing that will blow the house up or burn it down what is it then you tell us kinch just do if you think best said caddy giving him a threatening glance 
whereupon master kinch looked as much as to say if you were to put me on the rack you couldn't get a word out of me i suppose i shall have to give you up said mr walters at last but don't stand here in the entry come up into the drawing-room mrs ellis and esther followed him upstairs and stood at the door of the drawing-room surveying the preparations for defence that the appearance of the room so abundantly indicated guns were stacked in the corner a number of pistols lay upon the mantelpiece and a pile of cartridges was heaped up beside a small keg of powder that stood upon the table opposite the fireplace dear me exclaimed mrs ellis this looks dreadful it almost frightens me out of my wits to see so many dangerous weapons scattered about and how does it affect our quiet esther asked mr walters it makes me wish i were a man she replied with considerable vehemence of manner all started at this language from one of her usually gentle demeanour why esther how you talk girl what's come over you talk replied she i say nothing that i do not feel as we came through the streets to-day and i saw so many inoffensive creatures who like ourselves have never done these white wretches the least injury to see them and us driven from our homes by a mob of wretches who can accuse us of nothing but being darker than themselves it takes all the woman out of my bosom and makes me feel like a here esther paused and bit her lip to prevent the utterance of a fierce expression that hovered on the tip of her tongue she then continued one poor woman in particular i noticed she had a babe in her arms poor thing and was weeping bitterly because she knew of no place to go to seek for shelter or protection a couple of white men stood by jeering and taunting her i felt as though i could have strangled them had i been a man i would have attacked them on the spot if i had been sure they would have killed me the next moment hush esther hush my child you must not talk so it sounds unwomanly unchristian why i never heard you talk so before esther made no reply but stood resting her forehead upon the mantelpiece her face was flushed with excitement and her dark eyes glistened like polished jet mr walters stood regarding her for a time with evident admiration and then said you are a brave one after my own heart esther hung down her head confused by the ardent look he cast upon her as he continued you have taken me by surprise but it's always the way with you quiet people events like these bring you out seem to change your very natures as it were we must look out said he with a smile turning to one of the young men or miss ellis will excel us all in courage i shall expect great things from her if we are attacked to-night don't make a jest of me mr walters said esther and as she spoke 
her eyes moistened and her lip quivered with vexation no no my dear girl don't misunderstand me replied he quickly nothing was farther from my thoughts i truly meant all that i said i believe you to be a brave girl if you really think so rejoined esther prove it by showing me how to load these as she spoke she took from the mantel one of the pistols that were lying there and turned it over to examine it oh put that down esther put that down immediately almost screamed mrs ellis what with your speeches and your guns you'll quite set me crazy do take it from her walters it will certainly go off there's not the least danger ellen he replied there's nothing in it well i'm afraid of guns loaded or unloaded they are dangerous all of them whether they have anything in them or not do you hear me esther do put that down and come out of here oh no mother said she do let me remain there i'll lay the pistols down and won't touch them again whilst you are in the room you may safely leave her in my hands interposed mr walters if she wants to learn let her it won't injure her in the least i'll take care of that this assurance somewhat quieted mrs ellis who left the room and took up her quarters in another apartment now mr walters said esther taking off her bonnet i'm quite in earnest about learning to load these pistols and i wish you to instruct me you may be hard pressed to-night and unable to load for yourselves and in such an emergency i could perhaps be of great use to you but my child replied he to be of use in the manner you propose you would be compelled to remain in quite an exposed situation i am aware of that calmly rejoined esther and still you are not afraid he asked in surprise why should i be i shall not be any more exposed than you or my father that's enough i'll teach you look here said mr walters observe how i load this esther gave her undivided attention to the work before her and when he had finished she took up another pistol and loaded it with a precision and celerity that would have reflected honour on a more practised hand well done capital exclaimed mr walters as she laid down the weapon you'll do my girl as i said before you are one after my own heart now whilst you are loading the rest i will go downstairs where i have some little matters to attend to on the stairway he was met by kench and caddy who were tugging up a large kettle of water is it possible caddy asked mr walters that your propensity to dabble in soap and water has overcome you even at this critical time you certainly can't be going to scrub no i'm not going to scrub she replied nor do anything like it we've got our plans haven't we kench let's hear what your plans are i'd like to be enlightened a little if convenient said mr walters well it's not convenient mr walters so you need not expect to hear a word about them you'd only laugh if we were to tell you so we're going to keep it to ourselves ain't we kench the latter thus appealed to put on an air of profound mystery and intimated that if they were permitted to pursue the even tenor of their way great results might be expected but if they were balked in their designs he could not answer for the consequences you and esther have your plans resumed caddy and we have ours we don't believe in powder and shot 
and don't want anything to do with guns for my part i'm afraid of them so please let us go by do now that's a good soul you seem to forget that i'm the commander of this fortress said mr walters and that i have a right to know everything that transpires within it but i see you look obstinate and as i haven't time to settle the matter now you may pass on i wonder what they can be about he remarked as they hurried on i must steal up by and by and see for myself one after another the various friends of mr walters came in each bringing some vague report of the designs of the mob they all described the excitement as growing more intense that the houses of various prominent abolitionists had been threatened that an attempt had been made to fire one of the colored churches and that notwithstanding the rioters made little scruple in declaring their intentions the authorities were not using the slightest effort to restrain them or to protect the parties threatened day was fast waning and the approaching night brought with it clouds and cold whilst they had been engaged in their preparation for defence none had time to reflect upon the danger of their situation but now that all was prepared and there was nothing to sustain the excitement of the last few hours a chill crept over the circle who were gathered round the fire there were no candles burning and the uncertain glow from the grate gave a rather weird like look to the group the arms stacked in the corner of the room and the occasional glitter of the pistol barrels as the flames rose and fell gave the whole a peculiarly strange effect we looked belligerently enough i should think remarked mr walters looking around him i wish we were well out of this it's terrible to be driven to these extremities but we are not the aggressors thank god and the results be they what they may are not of our seeking i have a right to defend my own i have asked protection of the law and it is too weak or too indifferent to give it so i have no alternative but to protect myself but who is here it has grown so dark in the room that i can scarcely distinguish any one where are all the ladies none are here except myself answered esther all the rest are below stairs and where are you i hear but can't see you give me your hand said he extending his own in the direction from which her voice proceeded how cold your hand is he continued are you frightened frightened she replied i never felt calmer in my life put your finger on my pulse mr walters did as he was desired and exclaimed steady as a rock i trust nothing may occur before morning to cause it to beat more hurriedly let us put some wood on these coals suggested mr ellis it will make a slight blaze and give us a chance to see each other as he spoke he took up a few small faggots and cast them upon the fire the wood snapped and crackled and the flames mounted the chimney and cast a cheerful glow upon the surrounding objects suddenly a thoroughly ignited piece flew off from the rest and fell on the table in the midst of the cartridges run for your lives shrieked one of the party the powder the powder simultaneously they nearly all rushed to the door mr walters stood as one petrified esther alone of the whole party retained her presence of mind springing forward she grasped the blazing fragment and dashed it back again into the grate all this passed in a few seconds and in the end esther was so overcome with excitement and terror that she fainted outright hearing no report those who had fled cautiously returned and by their united efforts she was soon restored to consciousness what a narrow escape said she trembling and covering her face with her hands it makes me shudder to think of it we owe our lives to you my brave girl said mr walters your presence of mind has quite put us all to the blush oh move the powder some distance off or the same thing may happen again please do move it mr walters i shall have no peace whilst it is there 
whilst they were thus engaged a loud commotion was heard below stairs and with one accord all started in the direction from whence the noise proceeded bring a light bring a light cried mrs ellis something dreadful has happened a light was soon procured and the cause of the second alarm fully ascertained master kinch in his anxiety to give himself as warlike an appearance as possible had added to his accoutrements an old sword that he had discovered in an out-of-the-way corner of the garret not being accustomed to weapons of this nature he had been constantly getting it between his legs and had already been precipitated by it down a flight of steps to the imminent risk of his neck undaunted however by this mishap he clung to it with wonderful tenacity until it had again caused a disaster the noise of which had brought all parties into the room where it had occurred the light being brought master kinch crawled out from under a table with his head and back covered with batter a pan of which had been overturned upon him in consequence of his having been tripped up by his sword and falling violently against the table on which it stood i said you had better take that skewer off exclaimed caddy it's a wonder it hasn't broke your neck before now but you are such a goose you would wear it said she surveying her aide-de-camp with derision as he vainly endeavoured to scrape the batter from his face please give me some water cried kinch looking from one to the other of the laughing group help a feller to get it off can't you it's all in my eyes and the yeast is blinding me the only answer to this appeal was an additional shout of laughter without the slightest effort for his relief at last caddy taking compassion upon his forlorn condition procured a basin of water and assisted him to wash from his woolly pate what had been intended for the next day's meal this is the farce after what was almost a tragedy said mr walters as they ascended the stairs again i wonder what we shall have next they all returned to their chairs by the drawing-room fire after this occurrence and remained in comparative silence for some time until loud cries of fire fire startled them from their seats the whole of the lower part of the city appears to be in a blaze exclaimed one of the party who had hastened to the window look at the flames they are ascending from several places they are at their work we may expect them here soon well they'll find us prepared when they do come rejoined mr walters what do you propose asked mr ellis are we to fire on them at once or wait for their attack wait for their attack by all means said he in reply if they throw stones you'll find plenty in that room with which to return the compliment if they resort to firearms then we will do the same i want to be strictly on the defensive but at the same time we must defend ourselves fully and energetically in about an hour after this conversation a dull roar was heard in the distance which grew louder and nearer every moment hist said esther do you hear that noise listen isn't that the mob coming mr walters opened the shutter and then the sound became more distinct on they came nearer and nearer until the noise of their voices became almost deafening there was something awful in the appearance of the motley crowd that like a torrent foamed and surged through the streets some were bearing large pine torches that filled the air with thick smoke and partially lighted up the surrounding gloom most of them were armed with clubs and a few with guns and pistols as they approached the house there seemed to be a sort of consultation between the ringleaders for soon after every light was extinguished and the deafening yells of kill the niggers down with the abolitionists were almost entirely stilled i wonder what that means said mr walters who had closed the shutter 
and was surveying through an aperture that had been cut the turbulent mass below look out for something seen he had scarcely finished speaking when a voice in the street cried one two three and immediately there followed a volley of missiles crushing in the windows of the chamber above and rattling upon the shutters of the room in which the party of defenders were gathered a yell then went up from the mob followed by another shower of stones it is now our turn said mr walters coolly four of you place yourselves at the windows of the adjoining room the rest remain here when you see a bright light reflected on the crowd below throw open the shutters and hurl down stones as long as the light is shining now take your places and as soon as you are prepared stamp upon the floor each of the men now armed themselves with two or more of the largest stones they could find from the heap that had been provided for the occasion and in a few seconds a loud stamping upon the floor informed mr walters that all was ready he now opened the aperture in the shutter and placed therein a powerful reflecting light which brought the shouting crowd below clearly into view and in an instant a shower of heavy stones came crashing down upon their upturned faces yells of rage and agony ascended from the throng who not seeing any previous signs of life in the house had no anticipation of so prompt and severe a response to their attack for a time they swayed to and fro bewildered by the intense light and crushing shower of stones that had so suddenly fallen upon them those in the rear however pressing forward did not permit the most exposed to retire out of reach of missiles from the house on perceiving which mr walters again turned the light upon them and immediately another stony shower came rattling down which caused a precipitate retreat the house is full of niggers the house is full of niggers cried several voices shoot them kill them and immediately several shots were fired at the window by the mob below don't fire yet said mr walters to one of the young men who had his hand upon a gun stop a while when we do fire let it be to some purpose let us make sure that some one is hit whilst they were talking two or three bullets pierced the shutters and flattened themselves upon the ceiling above those are rifle bullets remarked one of the young men do let us fire it is too great a risk to approach the windows at present keep quiet for a little while and when the light is shown again fire but hark continued he they are trying to burst open the door we can't reach them there without exposing ourselves and if they should get into the entry it would be hard work to dislodge them let us give them a round probably it will disperse those farthest off and those at the door will follow suggested one of the young men well try it at any rate replied walters take your places don't fire until i show the light then pick your man and let him have it there's no use to fire you know unless you hit somebody are you ready he asked yes was the prompt reply then here goes said he turning the light upon the crowd below who having some experience in what would follow did their best to get out of reach but they were too late for the appearance of the light was followed by the instantaneous report of several guns which did fearful execution amidst the throng of ruffians two or three fell on the spot and were carried off by their comrades with fearful execrations the firing now became frequent on both sides and esther's services came into constant requisition it was in vain that her father endeavoured to persuade her to leave the room notwithstanding the shutters had been thrown open to facilitate operations from within and the exposure thereby greatly increased she resolutely refused to retire and continued fearlessly to load the guns and hand them to the men 
they've got axes at work upon the door if they are not dislodged they'll cut their way in exclaimed one of the young men the stones are exhausted and i don't know what we shall do just then the splash of water was heard followed by shrieks of agony oh god i'm scalded i'm scalded cried one of the men upon the steps take me away take me away in the midst of his cries another volume of scalding water came pouring down upon the group at the door which was followed by a rush from the premises what is that who could have done that where has the water come from asked mr walters as he saw the seething shower pass the window and fall upon the heads below i must go and see he ran upstairs and found kent and caddy busy putting on more water they having exhausted one kettleful into which they had put two or three pounds of cayenne pepper on the heads of the crowd below we gave em a settler didn't we mr walters cried caddy as he entered the room it takes us we fight with hot water this said she holding up a dipper is my gun i guess we made em squeal you done well caddy replied he first-rate my girl i believe you've driven them off entirely he continued peeping out of the window they are going off at any rate said he drawing in his head whether they will return or not is more than i can say keep plenty of hot water ready but don't expose yourselves children weren't you afraid to go to the window he asked we didn't go near it look at this replied caddy fitting a broom handle into the end of a very large tin dipper kinch cut this to fit so we have nothing to do but to stand back here dip up the water and let them have it the length of the handle keeps us from being seen from the street that was kinch's plan and a capital one it was too your head kinch evidently has no batter within if it has without there's a great deal in that keep a bright lookout continued mr walters i'm going downstairs if they come again let them have plenty of your warm pepper sauce on returning to the drawing-room mr walters found mr dennis one of the company preparing to go out i'm about to avail myself of the advantage afforded by my fair complexion and play the spy said he they can't discern at night what i am and i may be able to learn some of their plans a most excellent idea said mr walters but pray be careful you may meet some one who will recognize you never fear replied mr dennis i'll keep a bright lookout for that and drawing his cap far down over his eyes to screen his face as much as possible he sallied out into the street he had not been absent more than a quarter of an hour when he returned limping into the house have they attacked you are you hurt asked the anxious group by which he was surrounded i'm hurt but not by them i got on very well and gleaned a great deal of information when i heard a sudden exclamation and on looking round i found myself recognized by a white man of my acquaintance i ran immediately and whether i was pursued or not i am unable to say i had almost reached here when my foot caught in a grating and gave my ankle such a wrench that i am unable to stand as he spoke his face grew pale from the suffering the limb was occasioning i am sorry very sorry he continued limping to the sofa i was going out again immediately they intend making an attack on mr gary's house i didn't hear his name mentioned but i heard one of the men who appeared to be a ringleader say we are going to winter street to give a coat of tar and feathers to a white man who is married to a nigger woman they can allude to none but him how annoying that this accident should have happened just now of all times they ought to be warned oh poor emily cried esther bursting into tears it will kill her i know it will she is so ill some one must go and warn them let me try the mob even if i met them surely would not assault a woman you mustn't think of such a thing esther exclaimed mr walters the idea isn't to be entertained for a moment you don't know what ruthless wretches they are 
your colour discovered you would find your sex but a trifling protection i'd go but it would be certain death to me my black face would quickly obtain for me a passport to another world if i were discovered in the street just now i'll go calmly spoke mr ellis i can't rest here and think of what they are exposed to by skulking through by-streets and keeping under the shadows of houses i may escape observation in any rate i must run the risk and he began to button up his coat don't let your mother know i'm gone stick by her my girl said he kissing esther trust in god he'll protect me esther hung sobbing on her father's neck oh father father said she i couldn't bear to see you go for any one but emily and the children i know it dear he replied it's my duty Gurry would do the same for me i know even at greater risk good-bye good-bye and disengaging himself from the weeping girl he started on his errand of mercy walking swiftly forwards he passed over more than two-thirds of the way without the slightest interruption the streets through which he passed being almost entirely deserted he had arrived within a couple of squares of the garrys when suddenly on turning a corner he found himself in the midst of a gang of ruffians here's a nigger here's a nigger shouted two or three of them almost simultaneously making at the same time a rush at mr ellis who turned and ran followed by the whole gang fear lent him wings and he fast outstripped his pursuers and would have entirely escaped had he not turned into a street which unfortunately was closed at the other end this he did not discover until it was too late to retrace his steps his pursuers having already entered the street looking for some retreat he perceived he was standing near an unfinished building tearing off the boards that were nailed across the window he vaulted into the room knocking off his hat which fell upon the pavement behind him scarcely had he groped his way to the staircase of the dwelling when he heard the footsteps of his pursuers he can't have got through exclaimed one of them the street is closed up at the end he must be up here somewhere lighting one of their torches they began to look around them and soon discovered the hat lying beneath the window he's in here boys we've treed the coon laughingly exclaimed one of the ruffians let's after him tearing off the remainder of the boards one or two entered opened the door from the inside and gave admission to the rest mr ellis mounted to the second story followed by his pursuers on he went until he reached the attic from which a ladder led to the roof ascending this he drew it up after him and found himself on the roof of a house that was entirely isolated the whole extent of the danger flashed upon him at once here he was completely hemmed in without the smallest chance for escape he approached the edge and looked over but could discover nothing near enough to reach by a leap i must sell my life dearly he said god be my helper now he is all i have to rely upon and as he spoke the great drops of sweat fell from his forehead espying a sheet of lead upon the roof he rolled it into a club of tolerable thickness and waited the approach of his pursuers he's gone on the roof he heard one of them exclaim and pulled the ladder up after him just then a head emerged from the trap-door the owner of which perceiving mr ellis set up a shout of triumph we've got him we've got him here he is which cries were answered by the exultant voices of his comrades below an attempt was now made by one of them to gain the roof but he immediately received a blow from mr ellis then knocked him senseless into the arms of his companions another attempted the same feat and met a similar fate this caused a parley as to the best mode of proceeding which resulted in the simultaneous appearance of three of the rioters at the opening nothing daunted mr ellis attacked them with such fierceness and energy that they were forced to descend muttering the direst curses in a few moments another head appeared at which mr ellis aimed a blow of great force and the club descended upon a hat placed upon a stick 
not meeting the resistance expected it flew from his hand and he was thrown forward nearly falling down the doorway with a shout of triumph they seized his arm and held him firmly until one or two of them mounted the roof throw him over throw him over exclaimed some of the fiercest of the crowd one or two of the more merciful endeavoured to interfere against killing him outright but the frenzy of the majority triumphed and they determined to cast him into the street below mr ellis clung to the chimney shrieking save me save me help help will no one save me his cries were unheeded by the ruffians and the people at the surrounding windows were unable to afford him any assistance even if they were disposed to do so despite his cries and resistance they forced him to the edge of the roof he clinging to them the while and shrieking in agonized terror forcing off his hold they thrust him forward and got him partially over the edge where he clung calling frantically for aid one of the villains to make him loose his hold struck on his fingers with the handle of the hatchet found on the roof not succeeding in breaking his hold by these means with an oath he struck with the blade severing two of the fingers from one hand and deeply mangling the other with a yell of agony mr ellis let go of his hold and fell upon a pile of rubbish below whilst a cry of triumphant malignity went up from the crowd on the roof a gentleman and some of his friends kindly carried the insensible man into his house poor fellow said he he is killed i believe what a gang of wretches these things are dreadful that such a thing can be permitted in a christian city is perfectly appalling the half-dressed family gathered around the mangled form of mr ellison gave vent to loud expressions of sympathy a doctor was quickly sent for who stanched the blood that was flowing from his hands and head i don't think he can live said he the fall was too great as far as i can judge his legs and two of his ribs are broken the best thing we can do is to get him conveyed to the hospital look in his pockets perhaps we can find out who he is there was nothing found however that afforded the least clue to his name and residence and he was therefore as soon as persons could be procured to assist borne to the hospital where his wounds were dressed and the broken limbs set End of chapter twenty